Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni alongside Sue Tab, and today we're talking with Michelle Cotti. Michelle is one of the fabulous service dog trainers in the NEEDS program. NEEDS is a nonprofit organization located right here in Princeton, Mass., that offers the widest array of service dog programs in the industry. Their incredible program includes service dogs for adults and children with physical disabilities, service dogs for veterans, for hearing, and for children with autism and other developmental disabilities. Needs Dogs are also partnered with professionals in classroom, therapy, hospital, ministry, and courthouse settings. This past week, they celebrated International Assistance Dog Week, and we're thrilled to feature Michelle on our show today. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. So tell us about Needs as an organization and how you became involved with them. Yeah, so Needs is a nonprofit organization, like you said. Uh, We train service dogs for people with disabilities. Um, I personally became involved about three years ago. I was a vet tech before that and started volunteering as a puppy raiser for a different organization, and that's how I became interested in training service dogs. Um, So I applied for an apprenticeship position here, and now I am a trainer on staff. Michelle, were you always an animal lover from a really young age? I assume that's sort of part of why you decided to pursue this as a career. I definitely was. I always sort of knew I wanted to do something with animals, um, just wasn't entirely sure of what. Uh, I definitely considered vet school for a while, um, but I really enjoy and have a passion for training and behavior. You started your career as a vet tech, so how did you make the transition to becoming a needs trainer, and and why did you choose that? I would imagine that your background is a huge plus for the organization, so how does your experience as a vet tech kind of benefit your role as a trainer? Yeah, I was a vet tech for almost five years, um, and I really enjoyed that work, but I sort of decided somewhere along the way that I wanted to do more behavior and training and less medicine. Um, So that's when I started volunteering as a puppy raiser for a guide dog organization. And um, then I found needs after that and decided to make the jump to training full time. Um, I think it it has helped my position here. I'd say I arrived 
very comfortable handling all sorts of different dogs. Uh, sometimes they come in excited or stressed, and um, I definitely have a lot of experience working with that from the vet's office. Um, also, you know, part of their training here is getting them used to handling so when they go out with their clients, they can um, be groomed and they can be handled at the vet. And so knowing that side of things is helpful to get them used to that. Michelle, you just referenced the training. Um, can you talk a little bit about the training process for these service dogs? Um, I would imagine it's probably pretty intense and why it's so critical, you know, for them to be trained properly and paired with the proper person. Sure. Um, so we start very young. They're pretty much being trained by the time they're eight, nine, ten weeks. We start with socialization. Um, and it's all building blocks, really. So we start with some basic obedience, um, and then things get a little bit more complex as you go as they learn the task work um, that they'll need later on for their client, like turning on light switches, um, tugging open doors for them, retrieving objects. It certainly is intense, uh, but the dogs really love the work most of the time. Um, we keep it really positive and fun for them. So they, they really enjoy the training sessions. Michelle, there are a few Great Dane service dogs in my son's school that assist with walking, I assume because of their size. So I want to ask you, are there certain dog breeds that excel and are more often used for a specific service? Yeah, um, like you said, Great Danes for their size, I can imagine would certainly be good for an organization that does balanced dogs, um, like you said, for helping someone walk. Um, We primarily train Labradors here. We find their temperament and um, kind of their general, they're very willing to please, I'll say it that way, Um, makes them very trainable um, and fun to work with and generally uh, good for service work. So, Michelle, how many tasks and commands do these dogs learn or does it depend on, you know, what type of service they're going to go into and, and how long does it normally take for the dogs to really grasp the skills? So it takes about two years um, for them to be fully trained and ready to be matched with a client. Um, in that time, they learn somewhere between 50 and 60 commands and tasks. Um, It can depend a little bit on the job they're going to do, which is why there's a bit of a range there. Um, But they learn everything from obedience, um, so, you know, sit, down, stay, all that basic stuff, um, to some of the things I mentioned earlier, like turning on lights, retrieving things that have been dropped, um, opening a fridge and retrieving something um, for someone. Okay, so follow-up question. (laughs) This is still Sue. I'm a dog owner myself. Um, How would you feel about taking a two-year-old Australian Labradoodle and trying to teach her how not to be naughty? (laughs) I'm struggling. Uh, We don't really do pet dogs. (laughs) Um, It's certainly easier, you know, to start when they're nice and young. Um, Once they've developed some bad habits, it's harder. It's not impossible. (laughs) Poor Gracie. Gracie's Gracie's on a tough little road in Sue's house right now. Well, you know what we did is we, all the things we said we'd never do, we do. We bribe her with cheese. We let her sleep in our bed, the whole thing. So, sure. Hey, Michelle, do you ever see a situation where a dog just doesn't succeed at the training? What happens if they don't just, they don't make it through? We certainly do see that. 
Um, it's about a 50% pass rate for the dogs oh, wow. because our um, requirements are so high, basically. We need them to be the best of the best. Um, so sometimes we'll have a dog who somewhere along the way in training shows us that maybe they don't quite have the confidence mm-hmm. to be a working dog. Um, they wouldn't hold up very well to going out in public every day with their client. Um, maybe they get a little stressed or something like that. In that case, um, once we've decided to release them from the training program, we would find a suitable home for them and adopt them out. Talk about, in in the case of the dogs that do pass and make it to the end of the program, how then do you match those service dogs with clients? So the matching process is really a group effort. Periodically, the client services team and the trainers will all sit down together And basically what we do is we look at the dogs we have that are finished their training or about to be finished. Um, And then we look at the clients we have waiting to be matched with a dog. And we consider a lot of different factors. The dog's strengths, their personality, um, temperament, energy level. And then we look at the client's lifestyle, their needs, and we um, have a discussion and make our best match based on that information. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7, and we've been talking with Michelle Cotti about her role as a professional needs service dog trainer. Michelle began her career as a vet tech at a small animal hospital for almost five years before becoming a needs apprentice trainer. The Needs Service Dog Program provides help for adults and children with physical disabilities, for veterans, for hearing, and for children with autism and other developmental disabilities. Michelle also teaches class at two of the prisons in the Prison Pup Program and helps match and train needs clients once they receive their service dogs. Let's get back to our conversation. Let's talk about that Prison Pup Program. Um, Can you explain what the program is all about and how you're involved? I can. So I am currently teaching at two of the prisons. We are in six of them right now. Basically what happens there is the pups are assigned to an inmate handler and they are responsible for socializing and starting their training. They have them usually Monday through Friday and then volunteers will take them out on the weekends to help socialize them further. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go once a week um, to each of the facilities that I'm in and teach class to check in, see how they're progressing, um, help with any problems that pop up. Michelle, how can clients learn about applying for a service dog? I asked because I, I wondered if, if the process is different for parents of young kids. I have two sons who are on the autism spectrum, and I, I just wondered how the matching process works when there are kids who have high anxiety and can't quite communicate all the time. So how, how can parents figure that out, what the right match is for their child? Yeah, so our website is a great resource to go on and find out more about applying. Um, so that's needs.org, N-E-A-D-S dot O-R-G. Um, there's plenty of information on there about how to get started, about what types of dogs we offer. Um, I would say the process is pretty similar uh, for parents with children. The one biggest difference is probably that we're considering both the parent 
and the child's needs in a way. So even the dog is for the child, the parent would be the main handler um, and would be the one giving the dog commands and really kind of steering the ship there. Um, So while the dog has to be the right fit for the child, um, we also have to consider how the parent would match with them handler-wise. And I'd say the interviews tend to be slower paced for those situations. We go a little bit more at the child speed. Um, It's less focused on. So in our typical interviews, we'll have potential clients work a dog um, and try a few commands and things like that with one of the trainers. Um, With the kids, it's a little bit more, let's sit down, let's groom the dog for a minute. Um, What do you think about his energy? Is he too wiggly for you? Um, And we try to get a feel for what the kid is responding to well and not well. Okay, that's great. Wow, it's a lot of work. It's amazing. <laughs> can can you talk about the staff that you work with? Because I know they're obviously a huge part of this. What does it take to be a trainer with the needs program? So we go through a two-year apprenticeship to become a trainer. Um, in that time, we learn both how to train the dogs on the commands and tasks and also how to work with people. So we're learning how to train in the prisons with the inmate handlers, Um, so learning how to train people to train dogs, essentially. And then we're learning how to work with the clients um, and work with a finished dog and show them how um, the dog can help them in their life and all the commands they know. Yeah, so the staff here is great. Um, I work with a lot of really skilled people And it helps, you know, that we're all dog people and enjoy what we do. Mm. Michelle, why um, when service dogs are working and they have a lot of times they'll have the jacket on that says service dog do not approach. Why is it important for the general public not to interact with a dog when it's, you know, quote unquote working? Excellent question. The main reason would be we don't want to distract the dog from their job. Um, Their job is to stay focused on their person and they need the public's help in a way to um, know enough to let them do that work and not try to interact. Um, It's always okay to ask the person, um, Mm -hmm. and then they have the ability to tell you, no, she's working right now, um, or yes, you know, we have time. I can give her permission to say hi to you. What kind of feedback do you get from clients, you know, once they've had a chance to sort of immerse this animal into their everyday life and the help that they're getting from them. What do you hear back from them? I think something we hear often is that the dog helps them in ways they don't even realize they're going to. And sometimes it's things even we haven't really, it's not necessarily a specific thing the dog has learned to do. Um, But for example, maybe prior to getting the dog they were a little more secluded and they stayed home a lot because they didn't have the confidence to go out um, as much with their disability. Um, And the dog gives them that confidence. Um, And we hear people all the time say, you know, I'm going out more. Um, I just feel more comfortable leaving my house. 
and doing things that I did um, previously. Is there anything that you hope to accomplish with the program in the near future? I mean, is there a certain goal that you'd like to see the organization achieve? Um, I mean, I always have the personal goal of improving as a trainer. There's always more things to learn and new techniques. But really, no, just to continue raising and training you know, these world-class service dogs and help reach more potential clients who would benefit from having them um, in their life. Michelle, what are some of the things in your life that inspire you? Or have you had like positive role models? What kind of support system do you have in order to stay positive and, you know, focused every day? Yeah, um, the dogs really inspire me the most, I think. Um, It's hard to have a bad day, you know, when you come into work and uh, you go to get a dog out of the canine center to do a training session, um, and they're just so happy to greet you. Um, so I think they kind of keep me positive and uh, keep me focused on the goal. Well, this is important work. I mean, I, I've been looking into a service dog for at least one of my two sons. So I really hope that, you know, that your program will be able to help my family. I know you've helped so many other families and so many people that are listening right now. And I just, I wish you so much continued success and thank you for what you do because it's, it's incredible to see these animals helping people. I mean, I see it at my kid's school all the time and I'm, I'm blown away at what they can do. It's, right. it's almost like I want to I want to go up and say, how are you doing this? <laughs> how are you able to accomplish it? How do they know? How can they sense what each person needs? It's really an incredible program. Yeah, they're really they're impressive. Um, sometimes they even surprise us with <laughs> how capable they are and how intuitive they are. Did you say there were certain breeds that are more likely to succeed? Is it labs? Did you say? Um, well, we primarily work with labs. Okay. Um, that's certainly a common breed. Um, I know other organizations will use labs, um, but you see goldens as well. Well, this again, Michelle, thank you so much because I think I learned quite a bit from this, and um, I'm sure our listeners were were uh, informed and educated as well. And again, as Kendra said, thank you for the important work that you do. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I don't think Gracie would, would qualify for a training uh, dog or a service dog. No. I think we can nope. X her out. She's not a candidate. Let's just say that. Thanks, That's Michelle. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank you to Michelle Cotti for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk with celebrities and CEOs, but we also want to hear from your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Go to magic1067.com and email us if you have someone you'd like us to feature on the show. And you can find us on Instagram at sue.tab and at Kendra the Entertainer. We love hearing from you and be sure to join us every Sunday morning for another edition of Exceptional Women. Have a great day, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 